This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. interesting I think every day I get up and I ask myself what am I going to make for dinner for the family well I think this question takes on a whole new meaning when I ask my good friend Karen Taylor Hughes now what are you going to make for dinner for hundreds of people Karen <laughs> so in a, in a sense <laughs> yes I'm not cooking for them because I'm not a very good cook I'm like the husband cooks <laughs> but it's a very good question, and you know what? Now more than ever, mm-hmm. it's become something that's on many people's minds. A recent survey just spoke with the fact that the number one thing on Canadians' minds is food insecurity. Mm-hmm. And what that speaks to is people have the access or inaccess to affordable, healthy, nutritious food in close to pro- their proximity. And I think... That's always been a challenge, but I think COVID has just really shone a light on that. And people realize lots of folks are struggling to put food on the table mm-hmm. because we're almost a year into COVID. And it's impacted them financially, mentally, physically, every possible way. And it's a real challenge. Well, and I know, Karen, I mean, I don't know how many years now, two, three, as CEO of now called... Um, Harvest Manitoba, and it's been an incredible journey for you. So let's start now, March 5th of last year. March 12th was a lockdown. I mean, Harvest Manitoba feeds thousands of people every day or per week. How did that whole being locked down um, affect you and the volunteers um, at that point? It must have been awful. You know what? It it feels now so far away, I can barely remember it. But I remember when I went downstairs, because we got, we are so supported in Manitoba. All of our retailers, every Mm -hmm. grocery store, large food chain provides us with food, and we share that. So I went downstairs and went, where's the food? We were happy. We never had to really purchase food because we had so much donated. Mm -hmm. And we, I mean, all of our community food drives, we were able to meet the demand. All of a sudden, when that big stream of food stopped, we felt it immediately. So, and then we had the lockdown. So now, as a CEO, my number one, prior to that, my number one job was making sure we had food and the resources to get food to folks in need. Mm -hmm. Now I had to stop 
And what might have been second or third became my number one priority, which was ensuring that my staff felt safe enough to leave their homes when they'd be told to stay home, to come to harvest, to ensure that we continue to get food flowing to folks at this point in dire straits. So we have to lock our doors, change our processes, up our cleaning protocols, put in change everything we did in the warehouse, rearrange our entire warehouse to accommodate social distancing, which meant cutting our volunteers like by 75% to start off with. And luckily, I have very good friends that work at City Hall and we were having discussions prior to these rumblings and just as they started to come as talking about what do we do if they close things like libraries down? What do we do with that staff if we don't want to lay them off? And I went, we're going to always want to need volunteers. So when they made the lockdown, they did all the necessary steps, which I'm sure were many, that would what involved the union, et cetera. And they were able to call and say, we can send you 25 volunteers tomorrow that could work nine to five and help you get food out. And because the whole lockdown was so new to everyone, a pandemic is a once in a lifetime thing if you're in the right years, no one knew what to do. So we didn't want to put any volunteers at risk. So we locked our doors and took no additional volunteers until we felt comfortable that they could be safe as well as our staff. Oh my goodness. So it was a huge change for us. Oh my goodness. And while we, you know, you see pictures of the warehouse and um, the, the protocols and the restrictions. Yes, Karen, so here we are today and, and how are things and how have things changed? Well, you know, it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time. So we're still in this lockdown mode and easing up, but now, of course, looking at all the other potential variables and factors that will make this a slow process, I think there's a lot of folks who have been at home and they're bored mm-hmm. and they see that they want to help but be safe. And I find that they see that harvest ticks both those boxes. So we actually have had a steady stream of volunteers now for months. Even when it was our coldest months, all of our spots, which are much less, because now we have to become more efficient and do more with less Mm -hmm. to ensure people are socially distanced, we have a constant flow. So our volunteers are consistent and they feel safe and we're getting new ones every day, so we're really fortunate. What have you noticed, Karen, in the food supply? And yes, you had mentioned, like, we just had that horrible cold spell, and my goodness, I mean, we cannot imagine, you know, for the homeless out there, uh, you know, really, really, really tough times, and then to deal with COVID. um, You know, we always talked about how the faces who came to or harvest Manitoba, um, are all different now. How have they even changed even more so in this last year? Well, as you as you write, you've been here many times. So we have what I love about Harvest is our volunteer force is as diverse as the community that we serve. And I love that about Harvest. Mm-hmm. People want to give back if they're receiving free food and other people want to help. But because of COVID initially, we have to close our we have an on-site food bank. And because we didn't want to have too many folks moving around and we couldn't guarantee everyone's safety, we closed our food bank on site, which we we really weighed about safety for everyone involved. But then we were able to work with our food banks in the community. And as a result, Mm -hmm. it actually worked out better. So now we have emergency food banks in certain parts of the city. So if someone calls today 
and is in dire straits, mm -hmm. they can get access to a camper in less than 24 hours. Wow. And it's going to be close to where they live mm -hmm. versus coming down to harvest. So that's made a huge difference for us. And now we have volunteers, again, from every walk and space of life that come to help us. And I think it's a richer experience now than ever before, because I think there's not a person in our province that does not know someone who's lost their job as a result of COVID and no fault of their own. So I think people really want to give back. And we've seen that with donations, mm -hmm. because I mentioned supply chain was so short and it still is now. If you go to the grocery stores, where you used to have 17 or 18 choices, you may only have eight now because not everyone can get the supply out. So, so supply chain is still compromised. So we've had to purchase food and people have donated to us and they click on the COVID button. We have said, if you click that button for COVID support, that money is used only to purchase nutritious food when we're running short. Mm -hmm. So we've had, but we've had great support. We've had great food support. Mm -hmm. We had companies coming up that had never donated to us before or in a large way that bought truckloads of food that have made a huge difference. Well, I think it's just coming to the forefront, right? When during this pandemic and, you know, the people that have lost their livelihoods and lost family members, it is so sad, it's depressing, it's hard. Um, Harvest is always known too, not only as a food bank, but as an educational place with incredible programs. I remember the cooking program. We've, we've done um, some stories with, the, with you. Um, how are these programs affected? And I guess they have been, right? Correct? With the staff and, and, no volu and less volunteers. Exactly. Again, just to want to ensure that everyone in our building is as safe as possible, we closed our program down right away. Mm -hmm. so unfortunately, we haven't had any students come through, um, but we, it's not that it's out of our mind. So we actually have a new partner that will work with us to have a new program when we come back online that will actually be on learning about IT and jobs and opportunities in the IT sector. So the goal would be they would come in, learn the basics, if they have an interest, go a little bit further, and then through our partner would have opportunities to learn as a student in other places to get more to get a better background and potentially a job in the IT sector. So we are thrilled about that. But again, until we see a lot less restrictions mm -hmm. and we can have and guarantee that we can have support and understanding of the safety of folks in our building when they're here, but also knowing that they're being responsible when they're outside, mm -hmm. we have chosen not to do that yet, which is sad for us. But I think at this point in time, everyone has to make sacrifices and that's one that we have to make at this point in time. Mm -hmm. But we're hoping we're looking forward to maybe the fall or at the latest, this time next year to have it start up again. Yeah, well, well, let's hope. And, you know, Karen, getting back to, I guess, the necessities of life, and it's interesting that you did mention IT because that is a huge thing now. As we are doing this virtually through Zoom uh, and people wanting to be employed but don't have the tools, like a computer or are computer illiterate and need to learn, or they don't have a webcam. All of these things are all coming into play as to, right, um, being able to put food on your table. So there's a lot of pressures, I think, on families today. Oh, absolutely. I had a, a discussion with um, one of the folks on the police services board, 
and also our folks that work with folks in communities in terms of shelters and things and the amount of domestic abuse mm -hmm. um the amount of kids calling the kids help phone um i met a colleague who runs the kid helpline out of alberta and she said nationally they're almost four times the number of calls they've ever had and they also have adults who can't get anywhere else, so they call as well. So I'm grateful that people have places to call. Mm -hmm. but there's probably so many that don't, but it's very taxing. Um, even our staff, we're having professional development day. We have them only twice a year, a chance to come together, learn about services and things that we can do better, support our community. And we're all going to be talking about wellness and just the, this, the almost a year of prolonged stress. Mm -hmm. of coming to work when your family's home or when your child is home and having them go to school and wondering, am I safe? Will someone test positive at work? What does that mean to me? Taking the bus, what does that mean? You know, we've seen and heard so many things. I mean, I can't even fathom the, for lack of a better term, PTSD that mm -hmm. we will see in all these essential service workers, all these folks that have been impacted in so many ways for such a long period of time and still a long time to come. It's going to really change everything about our society, I believe. Yeah. And I know too, unfortunately, we are, I guess, quite high up the list with uh, children living in poverty and children going hungry. Has that number changed at all? Well, right now we're at about 80,000 individuals we're serving a month, which is about 46%. So we've gone up. We've always been the second highest in the country behind Nunavut, mm -hmm. but we, but our number still stays the same and is raising. So that, that allowed us to do some innovation in the midst of all of this calamity. We started a week-long take-home program for students. Mm -hmm. So we picked five city schools in the summer, um, well, early, late, late spring, five city schools that for 12 weeks that got them back to school in the fall, we actually gave them, we had what we called a pop-up station. So mm -hmm. we brought out a truck, we had boxes and bags of food and books, and we had families line up in the community that was to work with the schools, the school that all their families know, and we brought food out, a week's supply of child-friendly foods every week for five for 12 weeks these five communities in the city as well as three in the north and it was really well received so we will do it again and hopefully try and expand it because we found we knew with kids being at home mm -hmm. who were traditionally being fed in school just added more pressure to these families because now yeah. kids are home every day all day long from weeks and months on end so we want to try and support them so that was very well received. So we're hoping to do that again this summer. Um, we did it a little bit and we'll do, we'll try and do it for spring break as well, just to try and cover those weeks when mm -hmm. kids are at home because families are struggling. Oh, well, that's so wonderful. And there's, you know, there's just so much to cover. And I guess personally for you, Karen, well, no one would have uh, thought COVID would hit and we'd be, we'd be living in this pandemic and everything nobody wrote the book on. Uh, but here you are, you know, taking care of this large organization that does feed the province because people will always think that harvest, oh, it's, you know, just the city, but it really is the province. Um, what have you learned through all of this? And I know we, you had spoken about what the future is like and, and what are kind of the exciting things you want to try just to bring us not only 
it's not about awareness anymore, right, Karen? Because it is a need. You're going to have a lot more people needing harvest, I think. Oh, you're absolutely right. We learned from the recession. We saw a number of years where the numbers kept growing to where we were in 2020 before the pandemic started. So we know we're seeing steady growth every month of families coming to harvest after this period of time because they they have no more savings. They borrowed from all their family members and they now know even having some food support just means less money to spend on that to get food on the table and focus on other things. Mm -hmm. So we anticipate that will grow. We don't know when and how much. Um, again, so awareness, as you mentioned, people know of us. We know that. We've had great support food and fund wise. Mm -hmm but that will have to continue and we will continue to keep people updated. We have newsletters, we have our gratitude report that comes out once a year. We want people to know what are we doing? How are you impacting people? What does your donation do? And, what, and how are we using that? I think that's really important and we really strive. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing we're gonna continue to do. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, we are serving the province. So we're gonna focus on telling more stories. I think people really have no idea the scope and the size of Harvest. Yes, we're building on 1085 Winnipeg Avenue, but that building is 100,000 square feet and 85,000 of it is warehouse. Mm -hmm. Where we have, we see up to 11 million pounds of food come in and out of our doors to go to families that we get donated um, to go from different sources and to go out to our families in need. We're the fourth largest in the country. So we are a huge operation and we're a small staff of about 45, but most of our work gets done with the support of volunteers that help us package and distribute and our food bankers, I would say 97% of all our food banks across the, our province are run by volunteers. Yeah. So we have volunteers who are committed to their neighbors that show up every two weeks for a few hours and give them food and engage with them and make them know they're not alone. So certainly that's a huge undertaking. Um, personally, I've talked to many of my colleagues in the food banking sector or the not-for-profit sector, and I think we've all had to be innovative, creative, um, do many things we never thought we'd do right away, but we've had to move to virtual events, virtual things, Literally, we changed everything at Harvest in six days. So to be able to make those changes, I think it took um, good leadership on my part, but also on my other leaders' parts and commitment by our staff to want to meet the goals and demands. And I think they've done incredibly well. So I think I look at all the not-for-profits that we work with and all the shelters and supports that have done amazing things. We've collaborated like never before to ensure that nobody gets left out. We've got great gifts of masks. We got 1.5 million masks in the summer that we've distributed to our food bankers, our clients, personal health care up to the north. So we've really tried to spread everything we have with all the folks that we work with mm -hmm. and we impact. And it's been a tremendous time to really see community come together. And we always say now at Harvest, it takes a province to feed a province. And we're seeing that. Yes. Wow. Well, it's so good to see you, Karen. And I think, you know, yes, hopefully at the latest time, the same time next year, we'll be fully 
running up to speed, but uh, you know what? The work that Harvest does is so amazing, and it was so nice to catch up with you. We've been thinking about you too as well, and I know that something as important as food and feeding the hungry is always first and foremost, and wow, you've done an amazing job. You and your staff and all the volunteers. Miss all the volunteers. They're wonderful. Thank you so much, Tracy. Always great to see you. Yes. And reminding anyone that's watching, want to learn more about Harvest, come to our new site, harvestmanitoba.ca. You'll see what we're up to. You'll see how you can support us, even from your home. And look forward to hopefully having all of you come down and see the changes we made in our warehouse and see how safe it is and how you can have an impact in your community. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. For listening. This has been a production of iLikeQ.com, podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.